Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our current series, Unshakable Hope. Unshakable Hope is a reminder of the hope we have in Christ, how it is enduring and withstands and lasts through the ages, the hope that comes with knowing the God who sees us, loves us, and will never leave us. To watch any of our previous messages or find all listening platforms, we encourage you to visit www.valleybrook.cc forward slash on demand. Enjoy. Welcome again to everybody here at our Granby campus as well as our online campus. We're glad you're here and we hope that you'll join us again next week. So on a splendid April afternoon in 2008, two college women's softball teams gathered one from Oregon, one from Washington, and they were playing ball between beneath the blue sky of the Cascade Mountains. Inside a, a chain link fence before 100 fans, the two teams played a decisive game. The winner would advance to the division playoffs. The loser would hang up their gloves and go home. The Western Oregon Wolves were a sturdy team uh, that boasted several strong batters, but Sarah Tokolsky was not one of them. She hit a very low 153, and she played in the game only that day because the first-string right fielder had blown a play earlier. Now, Sarah had never hit a home run, but on that Saturday, with two runners on base, she connected with a curveball and sent it sailing over the left-field fence. And in her excitement, Sarah missed first base. Her coach shouted at her to return and touch it, and when she turned and started back, Something popped inside her knee, and she went down. She dragged herself back to the bag. She pulled her knee up to her chest in pain and asked the the first base coach, what do I do now? The coach wasn't sure. The umpire wasn't sure. He did know, though, if Sarah's teammates came and assisted her, she would be called out. And Sarah knew if she tried to stand, she would collapse. Her team couldn't help her. Her leg couldn't support her. How could she cross home plate and score that home run? So the umpires got together and they huddled to talk. And while they huddled, and while her team couldn't assist her, Sarah lay there in pain, alone in the dirt, clutching her knee with one hand and holding on to first base with the other, not knowing what to do or whom to turn to. You know, as I think about that story, I think all of us can identify with that picture. Like Sarah, we've all stumbled, maybe not in the ball field, but we've stumbled in life. We've done something we shouldn't have done. We've had a lapse in honesty or a lapse in integrity or morality. We've broken a promise or we've broken the law. Maybe we've, uh, we've said too much. Maybe we've drunk too much. Maybe we've judged too much. And we find ourselves in pain, feeling all alone. This morning, I want to remind you that you're not alone. I want to remind you of the unshakable hope of God's presence with you forever. And this unshakable hope of God's presence is not the uncertain way that our culture looks at hope. You know, I hope you do well on your test, we say. No, it's the sure and certain hope of God's presence with us. And it's a clear promise from Scripture. And I want to remind you of why it's so important. The unshakable hope of God's presence means that you and I are never, ever alone. 
God is with us. The Bible testifies to us in scripture after scripture of this truth. King David wrote about his relationship with God saying this in Psalm 139. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If you rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. The prophet Isaiah prophesied about one who would be born, who would actually be called God with us. And we read how Jesus fulfilled that prophecy in the Gospel of Matthew. It says, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. After Jesus' resurrection and before he ascended into heaven, Jesus made a promise. And this is the promise he made. Surely I am always with you to the very end of the age. Now, how could Jesus make that promise when he would be in heaven? To the astute reader of the New Testament and to the disciples, you would all recall what Jesus had said earlier. He said in the Gospel of John these words, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So God the Father and God the Son would not abandon us and leave us alone. They wouldn't abandon and leave the disciples alone. They would send the Holy Spirit. And so on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down to earth and he filled every single believer with his presence. And that same truth happens every time somebody comes to faith now. When somebody believes in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to live in us, to dwell with us, and to be the presence of God with us forever. So God is with us if we believe in Jesus. We're never alone. God has promised his people that he will never leave us, that he will never forsake us, and God keeps that promise to us. First, by sending Jesus to earth to be Emmanuel, God with us. But then, and then to restore all of us into our relationship with God, and then together with the Son, God the Father sends the Holy Spirit to be with us forever and ever. This is the unshakable hope of God's presence with us. So if you're hurting, if you're feeling alone, you're not alone. God is with you. Whatever you've done that makes you think that God would never love you, never could love you, you are never alone. God will love you no matter what, and he's present with you. Now, you may feel forgotten by God. You may feel alone and all by yourself, and, and you may feel that because of some trauma that you've experienced in your life, because of something that's happened to you or something that you've done. But I want you to know this. I want to validate your feelings and they are fine for you to feel, but I also want you to know this truth that God has made a promise to you and to me and to all of us that we will never be alone. 
And so we're not. In fact, when you feel alone, I would encourage you to ask God to draw close to you. This week, I watched an interview with Hunter Biden about his newly released book, and I watched it not for political reasons, but because I was aware that that this man had gone through so much trauma in his life. At the age of three, he was in a car crash with his mom and his baby sister and his older brother, and his mother and his baby sister died in that crash, and his brother and he were hospitalized for weeks I'm also aware that he's battled addictions to alcohol and to cocaine, and I knew that he suffered through the loss of his older brother to cancer. And when asked about his his addictions, Hunter said that from a young age, he always felt alone. And that he tried to fill that loneliness with drugs and alcohol and affairs and other things. And, And as I listened to his story, I realized that his story is not unlike many other people's stories. They feel alone. The loneliness is real. It's intense, and it can be so pervasive. It's overwhelming, and like Hunter, it can lead us to make bad choices to fill the void. But the only thing that can fill that void in any of us is God. God does not want us to be alone and to fill that loneliness. That's why he promised that he would never leave us. That's why he sent Jesus to earth to be God with us. And that's why God and Jesus sent the Spirit so that we know that God is with us forever. We're never alone. In fact, I would say this. When you feel lonely, I want to encourage you that while you feel that, Don't try to fill the emptiness with something other than God. We don't have to get rid of that ache. I know too often people turn to substances to numb the pain or they jump into unhealthy relationships to have the attention of someone else to fill that aloneness. But allow me to suggest that instead of turning to the first person or the first thing that you can think of to fill that void, Turn to God. Talk to God about that loneliness you feel. Ask God to assure you of of his presence. In fact, ask God to give you a sign that he is with you. Open up your Bible and read these verses that I've just shared with you this morning. Lean on the body of Christ that God has put around us so that we have the, the presence of God living through brothers and sisters in Christ. Find a mature Christian to lean to. Uh, even if you need to, turn to a Christian counselor to help you address the root of that loneliness. I want you to see that, that all of these possibilities are ways that God will answer your prayers about loneliness. And he's already provided these for us. And the reason God has done that It's because in Jesus, he understands us. That's right. Jesus understands us. Uh, This is an important understanding of the presence of God. God sent Jesus to earth to save us and to assure us that God is with us and to let us know that God understands what it's like to be you and me. In the book of Hebrews, we read this. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is 
unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So God sent Jesus to earth so that we would know that God is with us and so that we would know that God understands what it's like to walk in our shoes. As the scripture says, Jesus, the son of God, came to earth to be able to empathize with us so that we would know that he knows what it's like. The Bible tells us that Jesus is God who became a human. In the Gospel of John, we read this. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Pastor Max Lucado explains this powerful truth this way. He said, God became flesh in the form of Jesus Christ. He was miraculously conceived, yet naturally delivered. He was born, yet born of a virgin. Had Jesus simply descended to earth in the form of a mighty being, we would respect him, but never would draw near to him. After all, how could God understand what it means to be human? Had he been biologically conceived by two earthly parents, we would draw near to him, but would we want to worship him? After all, he would be no different than you and me. But if Jesus was both God and human at the same time, then we have the best of both worlds. Neither his humanity nor his deity compromised. He is fully human. He is fully divine. And because of the first, we draw near to him. And because of the latter, we worship him. You know, when you read the Gospels, you see that Jesus experienced everything that we experience. He knows what it's like to be us. We read the Gospels, we see him tired and sleepy, we see him angry, we see him happy, we see him sad and weeping, we see him lonely. In fact, there's two places in Scripture that come to mind when I think about Jesus experiencing loneliness, much like you and I experience loneliness in that horrible day in which he was crucified, when he took the sins of the world, your sins, my sins, from every generation upon himself, that sin separated him from God, and he cried out in a loud voice from the cross where he was dying from this crucifixion. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? He felt the weight of that loneliness as he took that sin upon him. But Jesus also knew that loneliness presented an opportunity. I've always been struck by a verse in the Gospel of Luke where it shows that Jesus leaned in to loneliness to seek out God. It says this, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. You see, Jesus saw being in lonely places and experiencing loneliness not as an opportunity to go out and find something to fill it, but to lean in to his relationship with God, to pray and let God fill that lonely spot in him. Because Jesus understands us. He wants us to know 
that he's with us now through the power of the Holy Spirit forever and ever. But he also wants us to make sure that, that we are present with God, the God who sent Jesus. He wants us to understand this because he understands what the Bible tells us, what he's doing right now on our behalf. Jesus prays for us. That's right. He's praying for you. He's praying for me. He's praying for all of us. Now, I'm sure some of you are saying, wait, what? Jesus is praying for me? Yeah. Actually, the, the Bible tells us that he, he's praying for us. You know, there's an amazing story in the Bible where we begin to see the miraculous powers of Jesus. It's one where after he feeds the 5,000 people, he tells the disciples to get in a boat and go ahead and go across the Sea of Galilee, and he would catch up with them later. And as that story goes, a huge storm comes while the disciples are, are on the boat and Jesus comes out walking on the water and Peter sees Jesus and he asks Jesus if he can walk on the water and he starts to walk on the water and he begins to sink. And, and that's what we remember about that story. But we fail to remember how it starts. Let me Read how it starts from the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone on the mountainside. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. So I want you to see what's happening here. The, the disciples are in the boat. It's nighttime, and this storm comes up that they weren't expecting, and they're rowing the boat, it tells us. The, the wind is blowing. The waves are crashing over the bow of the boat. They're afraid they're going to die. They keep the boat turned into the waves so it won't capsize, and they're digging their oars deeper and deeper. When you read this passage in the Gospel of John, you find out a very important detail. He says they're three to four miles from shore. That means they've been rowing a long time and they're no closer to land than they were when they, uh, then they can go back to land. They can't go either way. So the only thing they can do is dig those oars deeper into the water and keep the bow turned into the wind and the waves so that the boat doesn't capsize and they don't drown. But what's Jesus doing? He's on the mountainside. And he's praying. And who's he praying for? He's praying for the disciples. Mark makes it very clear when he writes about the same event. He says, later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he, Jesus, was alone on land. And then this is what it says. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Now, I don't know about you. I can't see People in a boat three to four miles out on the water. But Jesus, who was ever-present and able to see all things, was able to see that. And so he is praying for them. He's praying for their safety. He's praying that, that they will be delivered from this crazy storm that has come up on them. He's praying for them. And the Bible tells us that he's praying for us. As he's praying for their deliverance, 
then he's praying for our deliverance from sin, from temptation, from whatever's going on in our lives. He's praying that we would turn to him and, and lean on him. This is what the Apostle Paul writes in the book of Romans. He says Jesus is at the right hand of God and that he's also interceding for us. Jesus is an intercessory prayer warrior on our behalf. He is praying for us. In the book of Hebrews, it says this, because Jesus lives forever, his priesthood lasts forever. Therefore, he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. So we know Jesus is eternal. He lives forever. But did you know that he's eternally interceding on their behalf? And by the way, we're the there that the scripture is referring to. He's praying for us. Jesus knows what's going on in our lives. He, he prays for us. He knows when we're, what we're experiencing. He is present with us wherever we are, whether we recognize it or not. He knows what we're going through. And if we're going through a difficult time, he can carry us home to God. Jesus does for us what Mallory Holtman did for Sarah Tucholsky. Remember Sarah? She's the young woman who tore the ACL ligament in her knee during that home run trot. When we left her, she was lying on the ground. Remember, she's clutching her knee with one hand, holding on first base with the other. The umpires are all huddled up. The players are standing around watching. The fans are shouting for someone to help her and take her off the field. But Sarah doesn't want to leave. She wants to score her home run. But she doesn't know how she's going to do it. Because she can't walk. She can't crawl even. Mallory Holtman came up with a solution. You see, Mallory played first base for the other team, the Central Washington University team. She's a senior. She wants a victory. A loss would end her season. So you think Mallory would be happy to see this home run nullified. No score for Sarah, but she wasn't. She knew what it was like to hit home runs because she was the home run leader for her team. And so she walks over to the umpire and she says, can I help her around the bases? The umpire said, why would you do that? So she can score. The umpire said, okay, go ahead. So Mallory did. She signaled to her friend who was the shortstop, and they came over, and they walked over to Sarah, and they said, listen, we're going to pick you up, and we're going to carry you around the bases. And by that time, tears were streaming down Sarah's cheeks, and she just said, thank you. So Mallory and her friend put one hand under Sarah's legs and the other hand under her arms, and their mission of mercy began. They paused long enough at second and third base to lower Sarah's foot to touch the bases. By the time they headed home, the spectators had risen to their feet. Sarah's teammates had gathered at home plate, and she was smiling like a homecoming queen. And she should. You see, the only person who could help Sarah helped her. And because she did, she made it home. God offers the same thing to you and I. He offers to do that for us through Jesus. 
Mallory's message for Sarah is God's message for us. You're not alone. I'm with you. I know what you're going through. I'm going to pick you up and I'm going to carry you home. So won't you let him? You can't make it on your own, but Jesus has the strength that you do not have. Jesus is God with you. He knows you and he prays for you. He's willing to help you in your time of need. So let him do what he came to do. Let him carry you home. Folks, this is the unshakable hope of God's presence. He is with you. He knows you. And because he knows you, he prays with you and he can help you through whatever you're going through. So just remember, you are never alone and reach out to God every single time you need him. That's the unshakable hope of God's presence. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.